The following recording was produced by Christ Redeemer Church of Hanover, New Hampshire. The speaker is Doug Cooper. You may find more information on the church and its various resources on the web at www.christredeemerchurch.org. This morning's scripture passage comes from Psalm 25, 37, 62, and 130. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain your anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. See well. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Thus ends the scripture reading for this morning. Thanks, Philip. Uh, well, um, as I've already pointed out, we've got multiple uh, passages that are pulled together here, and uh, you may have noticed that two uh, out of the four of these passages that we've got here uh, come from Psalms that we've looked at in full over the course of the summer, specifically Psalms 25 and, and 130, and then one of them, uh, Psalm 62, I made reference to, I think, uh, really delving into it quite a bit, actually, um, during another message that we heard this summer. Uh, I believe Psalm 62 was our call to worship that morning. And so if you've been with us throughout the summer, much of what's here should be familiar to you. And the reason that I've returned to these passages and pulled them together is because I noticed just over time, like certain commonalities that exist within these uh, selections that were not directly highlighted um, when we came to them before. And you may have picked up on this when Philip was reading just now that they all seem to be making much of this idea of waiting on the Lord. And I believe that's what being, what's being highlighted here is yet another um, critical spiritual uh, practice or spiritual discipline as we've been talking about as we've been going along here week by week. In other words, this is one more muscle of faith, waiting on the Lord. This is one more muscle of faith that we're regular, regularly encouraged to engage, to exercise. And you see this coming up again and again in the Psalms, actually. Like if I were to collect them all and, 
include them here. We have pages upon pages. Um, and so here's a question that I think is, is worth asking as it relates to this. What does this even mean? Waiting on the Lord. What, what is, what's, what's the idea? I, I've actually, I've been asking people this question uh, all week. You know, like if somebody were to, you know, stop you tomorrow, let's say, and, and, and approach you and said, hey, can you explain to me what does it mean to wait on the Lord? What would you tell them? What would you say? Right? Uh, how does one actually do that? How does one practice waiting on the Lord? When should they do it? Why should they do it? How? And part of the reason why I feel like this question is worth asking is because to my ears, anyhow, and you, you may disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine, but to me, the, this idea of waiting on the Lord sounds a little bit um, fuzzy, I guess, is how I would put it. Like, what does it mean? It sounds a little bit mysterious. I, I, I might even use the word that it's, it's waiting on the Lord as a practice almost sounds like quote-unquote spiritual, if you know what I mean by that. I'm not meaning it in, in the most positive sense. Uh, like an obscure spiritual practice for the spiritually elite, that maybe that's what waiting on the Lord is. It's, it's for a select few or something like that, you know? Like I'm waiting on the Lord, this idea. Waiting for what? However, I want to be quick to respond to myself and, and just say that as I've been looking at this closely this week, that what I found is that my perceptions of this, what I was just saying there, is just way off. It's just not accurate. It's wrong. And we'll spend the morning looking into this together. But uh, here is a prediction that I've got that, you know, what I believe we'll find as we dig into these passages for the next 30 minutes or so is that this is not so murky and mysterious as it might seem at first glance. Um, rather than that, it's refreshing. It's waiting on the Lord is this refreshingly simple and, and sensible practice for us. And likewise, I don't think that waiting on the Lord is reserved for the spiritual, spiritual elite either, which I think is a great relief. Um, well, who is it re reserved for then? We're, we're going to get into that. How is it simple and practical and sensible? We're going to get into that. Uh, this is well worth discovering, in my opinion. So um, let's, let's get into it. I, we've got three things to consider in question form as we come to this medley of passages. First one, why? Why should we do it? Why should we wait on the Lord? Secondly, how? How do we do it? How do we wait on the Lord? And then lastly, how, this is maybe uh, the most interesting question of all, how does waiting on the Lord change things? How does waiting on the Lord change things? I'm going to just say that one more time. Why should we do it? How should we do it? How does it change things, actually? So to begin with, why? And I'm going to try to be brief on this first point. But among these, these four passages that we've got here, I see two good reasons here for why we ought to adopt waiting on the Lord as a practice. All right, And the first one has to do with us. Please look back with me at our first passage from Psalm 25, beginning at verse 1. David writes this, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. And so why is David 
waiting on the Lord. And one reason seems obvious enough, it's because he finds himself in a trouble, troublesome situation. He's in trouble. This is why he's waiting on the Lord. He has enemies who are making trouble for him. Seems like a good enough reason to me. And we'll look at one more on this. Let's, let's, um, let's look at Psalm 62. I, I think that this is slightly different, perhaps. Okay, Verse 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation in my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Why is the psalmist in Psalm 62 waiting on the Lord? And it's because they're shaky, okay? They're, they're shaky for some reason. They need refuge. They're troubled. Why should we wait on the Lord? Who should be doing this? Who's like a, like a prime candidate? And if you look at all four of these passages, you'll find this same element at play. Waiting on the Lord is a practice for those who are troubled in some form or some fashion. That seems simple enough. And so it's not, like I was assuming earlier, this isn't for the spiritually elite. Who's it for? It's for the spiritually shaky. It's for the poor and needy. It's for those who are troubled. Are you troubled this morning in any way? If so, you're a prime candidate for this spiritual practice of waiting on the Lord. But why else? Why else should we do this? A second reason, which has to do with him now. Please look again at this same passage that I just read from Psalm 62. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. In other words, I'm waiting upon the Lord because I'm shaky and because he isn't. Okay? He's not shaky. He's a rock. He's solid. Is the hymnist, you know, wrote, you know the song, On God the solid rock I stand. On God the, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Same idea. Probably comes right out of this psalm. God is for wobbly people on shaky ground. Do you understand? As we look to him and we wait for him, we do it because he's our only, our only true hope in trouble. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. Well, what kind of help? What kind of help does he have to offer? Well, please look at Psalm 130 now. You may, you may remember this from when we last looked at this, but look at verse 7. The psalmist is appealing to the people of Israel, and they write, O Israel, hope in the Lord. Or you might say, O, peop o Israel, wait for the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Okay? He is both good and great. The psalmist is telling us this. And therefore, he is worthy of us waiting upon him, lifting our souls to him, calling upon him in our trouble. Okay. 
So this is why we should do it. This is why we should choose to wait upon him. But how, though? How, how should we do this? What, what might this look like? And this is our second point. How do we wait upon the Lord? Now, this may be a, a silly question, but to get us started, let me go ahead and ask it anyway. What is, what is waiting upon the Lord supposed to look like? What would you compare it to? Is it something like waiting for a bus? Is it something like waiting for a train or for, for an airplane? And this is, you know, some of that fuzzy stuff that I was alluding to earlier. Is waiting on the Lord like being alone at a bus station waiting for a delayed bus, a postponed bus? Have you ever had this happen to you, by the way? Have you ever, I mean, it's been a little while for some of us maybe that we've been to a bus station waiting on a bus. Uh, in other words, if you can imagine this, you know, you've got these, these hopes, you know, you, you've showed up, you're going on a trip, you've got a bag, it's packed, it's got like some snacks on it in, in the back, you know, go on, the, on the ride. You, you've got this idea, you're, you're looking forward to arriving at a particular destination, you've got expectations in mind, right? Somebody drops you off at the station, <laughs> you're there alone now, and suddenly... The news comes over the speaker system. Bus 267 is delayed, you know, and maybe they offer up some, you know, time that it might come, but we all know that you can't really pay too much attention to that. So, what, you know, what, what do you do? I mean, I, I, can, I was thinking about this. When I, I, there was a point in my life when I was catching a lot of bus rides. Um, what was it called? It wasn't Greyhound something trails. But uh, this was in my late teens and early 20s, right? So I literally would get dropped off, dropped off at the bus station. There was no internet at this time. There was no cell phones. I didn't have a phone to keep me company. I didn't have a phone to, to like lurk, look and search and try to get like more information about like what's going on here? What's happening? I don't know. And so in that situation, if, I, if my bus was delayed, I was essentially alone. Maybe I had a couple of quarters to use a payphone if the payphone even worked. I was passive. I was just sitting there, just waiting for something to happen without direction, hoping for the bus to come around. Again, is that what waiting on the Lord is like? And I don't think that it is at all. I don't, I don't think that that's what we get here in these passages. So look back with me at verse 20, uh, Psalm 25 one more time. Starting in verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who, want, who are wantonly treacherous. So is it passive? Is it doing nothing, just sitting on our hands at a bus station? No. David is speaking with the Lord. He's talking to the Lord. He's lifting his soul up to the Lord. He's speaking to him about his troubles. And he isn't just expressing himself. He's also doing something. He's entrusting himself to the Lord. He's saying these things and he's saying, I'm putting it on your back, God. I'm entrusting these things to you. In you, I trust, he says. And then in verse three, David says, indeed, None who wait for you shall be ashamed. In other words, lifting up my soul to God, 
Entrusting my situation to God is the same as waiting upon God. These are the same thing, and we know this because he uses this word indeed as though they're like interchangeable. It's like two sides of the same coin. And then in verse 4 and 5, what does he do? He asks God to teach him. So he's not being passive here. He's very active. He asks God to teach him. He asks God to lead him, to help him to know his ways. Why? Why does he do this? For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. I could sit here all day. Because it's you that I'm waiting on. Waiting on the Lord is not passive. It isn't just sitting in a smelly old chair at the bus station. In fact, look at, I mean, I'm sure bus stations have improved a lot, but I'm thinking of the particular bus station that I went to as a kid. I won't name what it is, but it was, there were some lumpy seats there. I'll just put it that way. But look at Psalm 37, smack dab in the middle of this passage in verse 7, David says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So this is, I think, a little bit more that's teaching us that waiting is not passive, but it's active. So that comes right in the middle, but notice all that surrounds that exhortation. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. These are, these are all actions. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. And then he says... Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not. Don't get angry. Don't take these matters into your own hands. It'll do you no good. These are all ways that we can wait upon the Lord actively. Now, sometimes I need to... So, so this, that's kind of general what I was talking about there. Sometimes, in very particular ways, we need to wait on the Lord we need to pull aside. We saw Jesus doing this again and again throughout the Gospels. Pulling aside, getting alone, literally getting still, getting quiet, being alone with the Lord, setting aside a lot of other activities to make that your main activity. Sometimes we have time to do that. Other times we don't. And so we keep right on moving and waiting as we move. Okay? And I think that this highlights something super significant about what it means to wait on the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord is not a solitary experience. It's not an alone kind of a situation. It isn't like being alone and stranded at the bus station. In fact, I would argue that based on all that we've got here, that waiting upon the Lord is less like waiting alone for a delayed bus to arrive, and it's actually more like being on the bus. Like, forget the bus station. Waiting on the Lord is more like being on the bus, but not quite knowing the route that the bus has you on. You're not stranded. You haven't been left behind. You're not out of commission. You're on the bus. I could start, you know, quoting Paul Simon. You know, get on the bus, guys. This kind of thing. You're on the bus. It's headed down the highway. And you ultimately know, if you know him, you ultimately know where this bus is headed. But you may not know how it's going to get you there, right? This is where this gets hard. Because it's like, wait a second. You know, I thought, like, we were going to, like, ride the highway here, Lord, and, like, just beautiful vistas and mountains and 
snacks, like free snacks maybe. And, but instead, like I'm in this lumpy chair and we're going down this dirt road and there's potholes and I got this person sitting next to me and they're drooling and snoring and like, this is not what I signed up for. Like, what are we doing? I know where you're taking me. I just don't know this route. But I'm waiting on you. The key is what? The key is knowing who's behind the wheel, right? Trusting the captain, trusting the operator. Look back at Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. This is great application from last Sunday, by the way, as we were considering the spiritual practice of spending time feeding upon God's revelation that he gives us in his word, a special revelation. Okay? How do we learn his ways? This is what David was asking, like, make me to know your ways. How does he lead us? How does he teach us? Where do we begin if we hope to delight ourselves in him, how do we come to know him? That we might delight in him. We begin with his word. We hope in his word. He isn't silent about our troubles. He isn't aloof when we feel shaky and wobbly. He has things to say to us when we find ourselves in these kinds of conditions. So we can wait upon the Lord in very particular ways, pulling aside raising very particular concerns with him, and we can wait on him in a very general sort of a way. I mean, we need to do this sometimes, right? It's just like sometimes things are just feel heavy, things feel troublesome, things feel like we, we feel filled with anxiety. We can't necessarily put our finger on what that thing is. Like, what's going on? I just, I'm just so unsettled. I just can't rest, Lord. In a general sense, we can wait upon him. But how, how does this change things? This is the tougher question, I think. How does this change things? Does it change things? Might be another question. This is our last point. How does waiting on him change things? I saw this uh, video the other day. I wonder if anybody else has seen this. Uh, there's not a lot of explanation. You just kind of got to sort it out by watching it. But the setting is an airport. And there's this woman. She's standing behind a podium just like mine. She's got a microphone in her face. She's being interviewed by somebody. There's obviously a camera on her because it's a video. And she seems to be um, somebody important, somebody who's like in charge of uh, the airport, flights, delays, all these kinds of things. And somebody's asking her the question, like, how is that going? You know, like, are we making improvements in, in, in planes, like, arriving on time? And, and she very confidently, and I, 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 I believe I what she was saying, but she, she's, she's saying, yeah, like, we're making great strides. We're making great improvements, you know, like, and she's giving numbers and stats. <clears throat> and meanwhile, the camera that's on her, slowly starts to slide up and you see the, the message board that lists all the flights. 
And, and like, no lie, like more than 50% of the flights were delayed. I would say maybe 75% of the flights were delayed. And then it slowly came back down as she was going to finish her speech, you know? I think the title underneath the reel was just like, I think I might have just gotten this lady fired or something like that. Is this what waiting on the Lord is like? Is he speaking confidently to us of his power and his control, but then when push comes to shove, we're essentially grounded. We've got no wings. We're stranded. No changes. Just delayed flights. Is that the situation? In other words, is God cruel and stingy as we wait upon him? Is that his posture towards us? Just think with me for a moment. When we do this, when we wait upon the Lord, typically speaking, the, the, the point of initiation that kind of nudges us to do this sort of thing, it's typically us coming to him in our most vulnerable situations. Us coming to him with the things that are most precious to us, with the things that are most painful to us, our deepest longings, our most desperate hopes. And so it's painful to think that he might be holding out on us. And I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure that you've felt this way at times if you've really tried to press in and wait upon him about very important things in your life. And it just seems like delay after delay after delay. Like, what's going on? It's a painful thing. And I think that this like rising suspicion that comes up in us, it's really not unlike what we witness in the garden. I mean, is this not what happened in the garden? The suspicion that began to stir that God was keeping good things from them, Adam and Eve. This is the idea that the enemy planted in their minds. He's holding out on you. He's got good stuff, but he's not giving it to you. Like, why shouldn't you eat from that tree? He just doesn't want to give you the good stuff, right? Why shouldn't they eat from the tree? Is he being cruel? Is he being stingy? Does he not have their best interest in mind? Is this what's happening in our lives? And ironically, it's, no, it's not. You know, Of course not. It's precisely when we think that he's being cruel and stingy that if somehow we could get, get a different vantage point, we might begin to see that he's actually being very kind to us. He's actually being very generous. This was the case in the garden. This is the case in your life. As we come to the Lord with our most precious and painful concerns, it becomes a powerful means. That itself, I'm speaking general now, so I'm stepping aside from the particular. That thing represents his kindness and his generosity. It becomes a means for us to come to him and to engage with him. It becomes a doorway onto the bus for us. It becomes a pathway that can become a well-worn path in time in which we return to him and we engage with him and we come to know him and we come to experience his design for us to know him, to depend upon him, to be made, to his, his ways to be known to us. This is what I mean by good and generous. God is always doing more in our lives with what we bring to him than we ever realize. 
And just in general, he's always doing more with our lives. He's often multiplying the fish and the loaves that we bring to him. We bring to him our troubles, and he takes those troubles, as hard as they are, precious, painful, and he multiplies them. He delights to take the hardest and the heaviest things in our lives to use them for our good and for our development. Is Elizabeth Elliot put it. And this is a woman who walked through, if you know anything, if you know her story, she walked through a lot of very hard things. How is it that she could say these things on the back end? She says, I realized that the deepest spiritual lessons are not learned by his letting us have our way in the end, meeting all of our particular requests, understanding all the details, but by his making us wait and bearing with us in love and in patience until we are able to honestly pray what he taught his disciples to pray. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. The thing that waiting upon the Lord changes perhaps more than anything else is us. It begins to change us. We may not even recognize it, but slowly over time it's shaping us changing our responses, changing our expectations, changing our view of him. In other words, waiting on the Lord more than anything else, it changes us. This is what it did for Elizabeth Elliot. And in time, it develops us into those who can pray passionately but hold on loosely and say, like Elizabeth Elliot, that will be done. And we can do that. Why, how is it that we can do that? What do we learn that can shape us and, and develop us and nurture us to have that kind of posture? We can trust his will because we know his heart for us. We know his heart for us because we've witnessed Jesus waiting. We saw Jesus in the garden, do you remember? In the garden of Gethsemane. His life was precious, right? He said, Lord, I see this cup that is before me that I need to drink. If there's any way, here's a particular request. If there's any way, Lord, could you cause this cup to pass me by? And of course, we know that God didn't answer Jesus' prayer in the way that he wanted. But what did Jesus say? Not my will be done, Lord. Your will be done. Whatever you say, in other words, Jesus was shut out so that we might be brought all the way in. Jesus was stranded so that we might get on the bus. All right? He was grounded that we might have wings. Let me pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you again for your word. It is uh, so multifaceted and so relevant the ways that it speaks to all the corners of our hearts and minds. God, I just, I want to pray for those who are in the room right now who have been trying to practice this spiritual discipline of waiting on you. I want to pray for those who have been coming to you with precious and painful things again and again and again and who have just felt that their, their answers and your responses have been delayed again and again and again. I just pray that you would encourage them 
encourage their hearts? Would you lift their gaze? Would you refresh them? Would you give them a cool glass of water by your spirit? Would you cause them to see Christ and to recognize the opportunity to share in his sufferings in this process? And God, I pray that you would answer. I pray that you would meet particular requests. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.